Hi everyone, this is That Guy in Hutch, and you're listening to That Podcast in Hutch. Today, I'm really excited because the State Fair is coming back after a, a year off, and with me today is one of my favorite people, and probably the world's biggest Kansas State Fair fan, and a former co-worker of mine, Amy Bickle. Thanks for coming on, Amy. Hey, I am excited, and as you know, I love to talk about the Kansas State Fair. I know you do. So I, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about uh, we both worked at the Hutch News together and for, for quite a number of years. And the fair was always a, a big part of our, our life. Come probably August, we'd start thinking ahead. Uh, t- tell people kind of what we did or kind of how you approached that work when we were at the News. So I probably started thinking about the fair as soon as it ended. <laughs> In September. And it was always depressing because, you know, you're on this high of being at the fair every day and covering it. And then all of a sudden you go there on the Monday after. And it's kind of like the letdown after Christmas with all the wrapping paper and cleanup. And I don't know. But anyway, I started thinking about it then. But, you know, by June, July, August, we're in the middle of we were in the middle at the Hutchinson News planning what the 10 days of the fair would look like and you know, a guide to what people needed to know, whether it was like where to buy the, find the cheap tea, $1 tea, or, you know, what, what days could they get into the fair for free or get a discount or where the free ice cream was or water. I mean, we had it down to a science of what everybody could see and do and what was new and what was exciting and new foods. And uh, between Kathy Hanks, Jason and I, we had a a great plan, and we were covering the fair from seven in the morning till, you know, dark every day. I, I think that's a good thing to talk about. I think on the outside, you know, it probably looked like we we produced these guides in advance that said, you know, usually a, at least a week ahead of time, and a lot of times we'd put together a separate publication that would tell people what they needed to do and all the things they needed to look for, what was new, new food, uh, and then during the fair. Every day, we had a lot of content coming out of the fair. Um, but you mentioned that you'd work from 7 a.m. till 9 or 10 at night, some most days of the fair. A lot of years, you didn't take any time off during the fair. And part of that's because you loved it. And part of that's because you just felt such a duty to the community to report on what is arguably the biggest event of the year. That's right. I mean, we're talking 340,000 people that come to Hutchinson every year. And it is the biggest event in, in Kansas, the biggest celebration in Kansas. And so I felt, you know, I just loved it. And I didn't want to miss a day of it because there's something new and different every day. And it's not just what you see when you walk down the street, but it's the people that make the fair, that make it great, and those stories that you can tell. So without without doing that, I, I feel like people didn't realize, like, what was behind the scenes and, and what that story was. You know, speaking of funny stories coming out of the fair, there's there's one involving you, a very personal story, um, one year during the fair. Do you want to share that? So I was, you know, by July of 2011, I was almost nine months pregnant, and my due date was actually in September. And I just couldn't imagine giving birth and not being at the Kansas State Fair that year. So I planned to be induced in August before the fair started, which gave me a good seven days to recover and be at the first day of the fair, which included riding a zip line 
across Lake Talbot, which I don't recommend seven days after you give birth. <laughs> I remember that. We all thought you, we were thought there's no way that she's going to be able to do this. I remember ahead of time we thought she thinks that she's going to be able to do this. And you were adamant about it. You're well, like, I was extremely adamant. Oh. And I told my husband and he, you know, he, he goes along with anything I tell him. So, yeah, but you, you were like, I'm going to have this baby and I'll have seven days and I'll be fine and I'll be back covering the fair. And everyone's like, we were planning internally that you weren't going to really no be there. Yeah. Of we course were like, there's I was no going to be there. But then you showed up and you were there covering the fair like nothing at all had happened. That's right. John <laughs> brought little Jordy to the fair and the twins and, uh, you know, we rolled. And uh, but yeah, I mean, other than uh, riding a zip line which I wouldn't recommend, <laughs> but Brownback did it. So I thought, you know, I should have to do it too. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. You have to hold up with the governor yeah. of Kansas at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So th- talking about that and thinking about that, I wanted to sit down with you because in my view, there are maybe you and one other person I know who, who know more about the fair than anyone. And, and you probably edge that out a little bit, but let's go through some of the things that, that from your perspective and your years of covering the fair that people really can't miss, like the things that they ought to eat, the things they ought to do, little tricks that can get them through the fair, maybe a little easier or maybe a little more cost effective, anything like that that you think people ought to know. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, first off, just to talk about cost, cost shouldn't be an issue when going to the fair. You can get tickets in advance, you know, at a reasonable price. Military tickets are $4 anytime. You can get your kids tickets. You know, if you want to get in free Monday, you can get in free all day Monday before 11 o'clock on Friday. You can, um, there's a $4 after four on the Thursday of the fair. So there's plenty of opportunity to go and it's not expensive. And then when you're at the fair, there's plenty of opportunities to, uh, not spend a ton of money. You know, you, you can drop a lot of money at the fair on rides and food, but um, you can find, you know, the dollar iced tea or, you know, you could fill out a, a Farm Bureau coupon and get ice cream under the grandstand. I mean, best deal of the fair there. And, or $2 tasting Tuesday on Tuesdays, you can, you know, for $2, you can try a bunch of different things that you would never try for 7 or $8 normally and, and take advantage of it. So there's so many things. Or, or one of my favorites is going through uh, the Metal Arc building. They have those people that have the, the chips and dip, and you can try the different dips. And then you can buy some dip, which is still reasonable. But, you know, there's just so many different opportunities in every building every, experience. Every building. And the, and the fair over the years really has tried to create a lot of opportunities for people to make it affordable for people to get in. And I've seen them kind of change that over the years and try new things. Uh, but I, I think your point's, you know, well taken that there there are a lot of times that you can get into the fair for, for either free or very, very little money. And once you're in, you've got the entire day and the entire area to to kind of get some, some value out of that. Well, just Ron Diamond, the hypnotist alone, is is worth a $7 ticket. And he's funny. He comes back every year and he, he just never gets old. And then you have this year at Gotchchak Park, you have ninja experience. So ninjas, ninjas are in. So go see the ninjas and you don't have to pay anything for it. Or there's so many Kansas artists that are taking the stages that you can sit and enjoy your Prano Pup and, and listen to uh, someone local sing or perform or check dancers or 
uh, you know, whatever. It's uh, there's no you don't have to pay a, a lot of money and go to a grandstand concert. You can enjoy so many things at the fair because the fair is more than the concerts and it's more than one part of, of anything. It's all everything together makes the Kansas State Fair. It, it's kind of a, I think we've talked about this before too. It's really like Kansas condensed, right? Because yeah. you have all these different cultural entertainers from different parts of the state. You have the livestock exhibits and the contest, uh, the, the domestic arts competitions. So it's like every part of Kansas is just kind of condensed for 10 days at, at this one place. And you can experience maybe places you'd never get to go otherwise, but you can see them here in this, in this one location. That's right. You know, the giant pumpkin grown by a Kansas resident, whether it's in Liberal or Newton or wherever, you know, at 500, 600 pounds, you can see that in the Pride of Kansas building. You can see a beautiful butter sculpture of at the Pride of Kansas building. There's, you know, local communities have booths in there. Uh, there's Agri-Land where you can learn about agriculture. And uh, there's an uh, education center now that you can learn about uh, our state, you know, agriculture history. And so there's so much... Uh, there's learning opportunities, but then there's so much Kansas, just Kansas opportunities, like you said, that you would never experience otherwise. And, and it's fun, too. Of course. Now, you talked a little bit about, you know, Prano Pups, and that's the probably the most iconic food at the fair. But let's let's go through some, some foods that you always enjoyed eating at the fair. Um, every year, one of the things we would do is run through a list of the new foods that were coming, because a lot of these vendors come up with just crazy ideas, usually fried, um, but they come up with some new idea every year. And they actually put a lot of energy and creativity into coming up with unusual foods. So tell me some of the things that you've discovered over the years that you, uh, even if you didn't like them, just that you thought they were so unusual that people might want to try them. Well, of course, there's the Krispy Kreme hamburger, which I think is completely disgusting. But some people like it. Well, let's talk about the Krispy Kreme burger. It is basically a hamburger with Krispy Kreme donuts for hamburger buns, right? That's right. And so it's this... With tomato and pickle and lettuce and mayo. Should not go together. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it should to me either. But people buy it and like it, and even if for no other reason than it's an unusual thing that you can only get once a year, right? That's right. Yeah. But probably... The craziest, and people loved it, I will be honest, they did, but was the Bickle, which I like to say was named after me. <laughs> and you could find it at Bernard's Cafe, Susie okay. Bernard. Yep. It was a Bickle, well, it was a pickle wrapped in bacon. And they called it a Bickle. They called it the Bickle. And of course, you know, I was like, why did they name like such a, you know, I love pickles so much. Why would they name this after me? But... I actually hate pickles. But. Yeah, I was going to say, the truth is, Amy Bickle hates pickles. She, she Two things, snakes and pickles. That's right. Doesn't like. So, anyway, I had to find out how they made the Bickle. So, that was one of my uh, assignments during one of the fairs when they introduced the Bickle was I went behind the scenes and helped make Bickles, and uh, it was a interesting experience. So... So you saw that like they so they wrapped did they wrap it did they fry the and then they pickle? fried it okay and then they served it and uh, yeah <laughs> yeah. 
So what other foods did you find that you liked? And, and I should mention, too, you did a lot of that, right? That, and, uh, one of the really fun things that we, we did when we worked on this together is you, you and Kathy, and of course, anybody that knows Kathy Hanks knows that you can't tell her no at all. If she wants to get in and uh, see what you're doing, she's relentless and she, she will explain to you why it's such a good story and why you should want to do it. And by the time she's done with you, you'll be happy to give her that story. That's right. Um, so, but you guys got to do a lot of behind-the-scenes work and see kind of the inner workings of, of the fair. So we did. Tell me so about even, that. Uh, even making Prano Pups, how the process of how they did that, because like, like you said, that's one of the iconic foods of the state fair. And it's been around at least since the 50s, 60s. There's not really a clear date of when the first Prano Pup booth popped up, but um, it's been around for decades. And uh, so that was a fun experience. Hot, but it was a fun experience. Now, on the Prano Pup, let's talk about, this is a question that always comes up. What makes a Prano Pup different than a corn dog? It's wheat flour. So unlike a corn dog, which is corn, it's made out of wheat flour. And that's what makes it, it's different than a, than, right. than a traditional corn dog. Because it's a very big thing. People will say, I'm going to go get a corn dog. And we're, it's not a corn dog. It's not a corn it's dog. It's a prano pup. Totally different. And then how do you eat your prano pup? Mustard. With the granny's mustard? Oh, no, no. It just has to be yellow. Just yellow mustard. Just okay. yellow mustard. I like to make a little s you know, squiggly line. A little squiggly line on it? Uh-huh. Yep. And then, you know, walk around and munch on it. All right. One of the things I know you always did, too, is you, you found ice cream. You talked about that you could do the survey at Farm Bureau. You do the quiz at the yeah. Farm Bureau booth, and then you can get a coupon to go to... Uh, ice cream under the grandstand, which has always been a family tradition of mine, is, uh, you know, we might not have got a bunch of food at the fair because my family always did it cheaply when I was growing up, but we always stopped on our last stop and went to the grandstand, under the grandstand, the Kansas Dairy Bar, and got ice cream. So you can, you know, you can do that cheaply too by filling out the Farm Bureau survey and then taking your ticket and uh, they'll honor you with a free ice cream cone. And there are a number of places around the fair that if they're, there are opportunities to get some free food like that, right? Um, Turkey Hill did that for a while with their ice cream. And I don't know if Turkey Hill's back, but usually every day of the fair, you can go kind of by the 4-H building toward the north, west side of the fairgrounds and there'd be a big cow and uh they'd be handing out little little uh tubs of ice cream that you could take with you and eat and uh, that was always a popular stop that i made every single day day. so you know there was a stop there and then uh some years it'd be like a five-hour energy free fire five-hour energy and i would drink one of those twice a day too. <laughs> I remember the year that they were giving away five-hour energies and you and Kathy were not well. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day you could come buzzing into the office saying, we only drank four or five-hour energies today, so I have like eight hours of energy left. <laughs> it was so funny. Seven in the morning. You always need, you know, good pick-me-up. Now, uh, any new foods this year that you've seen that are interesting or or peculiar so i did have one vendor reach out and their new food this year which as i said i don't like pickles it's pickle lemonade so the carousel cafe uh vendor is going to be offering that that's their their new food this year and they say it's popular so we'll see how that goes but do you know how that's is it like a frozen lemonade with a pickle in it 
I'm not entirely sure. I thought it was more like lemonade with pickle. Maybe pickle juice? Pickle juice. Interesting. So so that's a Carousel Cafe? Yeah, or the vendor that has Carousel Cafe. It might be at our lemonade stand okay. next door. But. but anyway, if you want to combine some odd flavors and see what they taste like deep fried together, there's no better place to do that than the Kansas State Fair. That's right. Lots of choices. Oh, and cheese curds. That's my first thing I'll go get because you can't find cheese curds like that anywhere else. No, that's the thing. There's, so talking about that reminds me that there are, um, one of the things I think always comes out or always came out in your reporting about the fair and that I know from my own experience is that this kind of longstanding traditions of the fair, and you mentioned the cheese curds, and that reminds me that my family always, uh, we spent at least one day just eating all the foods that we wanted to eat at the fair. My onion blossom, cheese curds, prono pups, ice cream, uh, Roasted corn, like we kind of had this circuit that we made. Those are foods that we're not eating any other time of the year. But during the fair, we'd do that. Um, the old mill, always take the kids. Now I take my grandkids on that. Um, and there are people older than us who talk about, you know, they when they were young and they did that. Then they took their kids, then they would take their grandkids and maybe their great-grandkids. So talk about both like kind of some traditions you have with your family and maybe some of the traditions that stood out to you when you wrote a lot about the fair. Well, I grew up going to the fair. So it, I mean, that tradition was instilled on me that, you know, every year we'd, we'd spend the Sunday at the fair and um, get ice cream under the grandstand. And uh, then I was in 4-H and uh, was showing rabbits. And uh, I even took a cake one year, which I can't cook. But I think the cake might have got a purple. I don't know. But it got a pretty good ribbon, which was surprising because, like I said, I can't cook. So <laughs> so lots of family traditions there. It just always was a, you know, when the fair rolled around, um, when I was older, you know, our, my friends would, we want to go to the fair and we'd pick a date that there was a country music singer that we could go to and all go, go to the fair together. So when I moved to Hutchinson, um, you know, that became another tradition as well. And, and I introduced my family to the fair. And so our big tradition is, uh, you know, of course, we have to have a prano pup. We have to have cheese curds. We have to ride the yield mill and the giant slide. And um, they always want to see what the butter sculpture is going to be mm-hmm. and uh, the giant pumpkin. And, um, you know, one thing we like is ride the train and then there's somebody that throws free popcorn at you at the kettle corn stand. So there's these little little secrets that we just love to experience. And those are just a few of them. One of the things that always, I guess, has stood out in my mind is, and, and you kind of hit on it, that, that you make different memories at different points in your life, right? Like there are memories I have when I was a young child. Then there are memories that I have and traditions I built as a teenager. And then there are new traditions that were built where I'm trying to create kind of the same memories for my children that I had when I was that age. They then, of course, go on and make their own teenage memories. Uh, And then they have kids. And then it's another cycle of that where, you know, grandchildren are then making the same memories. And it just carries. So there's something really, to me, really special about that, that there's this continuity of tradition that keeps going as as the fair goes on and as time goes on and and we all get older. And I think that's why people are such fair fans because they had those special memories growing up and and then they want to instill that into their own children and and then that you know that cycle continues the love of the the Kansas State Fair and I you know just some of the people I've talked to I mean I've talked to people that 
got married at the fair or uh, there was one couple that got married in the 1940s, didn't tell their parents. They were probably 18 and, uh, and then uh, went home and then came back and met at the fair. So it's just, you know, just crazy little, you know, stories of traditions that, you know, and then they would come back every year to celebrate, you know, but I think it's different for everybody. I, th- I think that's true. That's one thing about it. It's, it's kind of a, we each get to build our individual experiences, but within the community of people who go to the fair, it's also kind of a shared experience. Yes, because, yeah. I mean, you still have those same traditions that everybody wants to do, like the yield mill, you know, or the prano pup, but then there's these other experiences that, you know, it might be meeting at the Kaffir building for a drink or uh, setting at Lake Talbot and watching a concert. So, I mean, it's so many different memories for everybody. Is my memory right that there was a baby board at the fair? I think in the parking lot. In the parking lot. I think that's correct. Yeah. Did it make it to the hospital? I don't think she did. I think she was born in the parking lot. I, as I remember it, that's, I, I'd have to go back and look at the story, but I seem to remember that we covered that one year, that there, there was a baby that was born in the parking lot, and I think maybe the traffic was, she was in labor, and then there, the yeah. traffic was thick enough around the fairgrounds that they couldn't think that they could get to the hospital in time. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I rem- uh, that was, yeah, I think Kathy covered that one, but it was... <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so what about, I know over the years too, you wrote about some tricks, like you can bring a wagon into the fair, right? That's it, right. And like, you can haul your kids around, you can bring some, like a picnic lunch if you want, things like that. Talk about that, because there are things I think people don't really realize they can do. So yeah, you can bring your own wagon, you can bring your own cooler, I mean, of course, no alcoholic beverages, but um, there's no reason to spend $5 on a bottle of water when you can bring your own in. And uh, there's places to refill as well, including under the grandstand. Um, you know, you don't have to come empty-handed. You can pack and prepare, and, and that's kind of what makes the fair affordable, and that's what we always did growing up. You know, we'd, we'd pack and prepare and have our own water and then, you know, splurge on the ice cream and... Um, yeah. So it doesn't have to be a $100 day at the fair. It can be as affordable as you want it to be. Yeah. And I've seen that before where there's sometimes there'll be families picnicking around Lake Talbot. Uh, there's some shade trees over there and it's by the water. And it, you can take a break. If you go and want to make the fair an all-day deal, you can you can bring those things and set up under a shade tree somewhere or over by Lake Talbot or wherever and uh, take a break, let the kids relax for a little bit and get tired walking around and all that and, and just take a break and then go back out and, and do it again, you know, later in the afternoon or the evening. Yeah, and there's plenty of places to cool down, you know, cottonwood courts, air-conditioned, uh, metal arc buildings air-conditioned and there's just, you know, there's places to take breaks, like you said, or tree, trees to sit under or, you know, uh, or watch, you can sit at People's Bank and Trust Arena I have to say that right. It's not Farm Bureau anymore. Um, and watch a concert in the shade and, you know, take a break. So there, there's plenty of places to relax and, and continue your day then. Now, you mentioned earlier Ron Diamond, and that reminded me a little bit of some of the odd and interesting history of the, the State Fair. And, and the Ron Diamond issue is funny. They, the legislature had to, I can't remember the year, but it was... I want to say it was around like 2009, 8, yeah. I feel like that's right, but it was ridiculously recent that we had to change the law uh, to allow hypnotists because... It was against the law. It was against the law to have a hypnotist anywhere in the state. That's correct. 
And, and so, they went, they, Denny Steckline went to the legislature and they wanted to bring Ron Diamond in specifically and uh, they got the law changed. Because um, he was a popular act everywhere that he went and he's a popular act here. Yeah, he's he fills, always packed. He fills that stadium every, he'd work, he's at the People's Bank and Trust Arena uh, and he, he fills it every time he has a show. Oh, he does. And it, it's always, I mean, his show, I mean, always has the same premise, but it's always funny. I mean, just watching the people. I tried to do it once. I on remember you, you went up and tried I to failed. get hypnotized. You I did. You couldn't well, get he hypnotized. Gave, he gave directions, and I wasn't paying that much attention. And <laughs> I was like, put your hands at your side, and I had them on my lap. And then I was like, close your eyes. And I was looking to see if people were watching me. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I immediately got the little tap on the shoulder to leave the stage. But, you know, <laughs> but I've known Ron for a lot of years, and he's he's just a great person anyway. And, uh, uh He's just a funny, great showman. So, but yeah, that was one law that we had to change. There's been others too. I mean, we've tried to change. I think grapes. We couldn't have wine. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. It was only three, two beer allowed yeah. on the fair for a long, long time. We couldn't do craft beer. Uh, couldn't do anything other than that. Yeah. And so there had to be a change in the law to allow wine. wine. And now we have two beer gardens and they serve wine. They do. And they showcase Kansas wines. Yeah. So that's, you know, Kansas wines and Kansas beers and you know from free state to salt city brewery and so that's neat too that you know you can if you're into craft beer you can discover some that you might not get to otherwise yeah so otherwise that so that the, the history of the fair and and the history of it coming to hutchinson is a pretty interesting story and i i know some of it um but i'm i'll just set it up a little bit and then let you take as you know this history a lot better than i do but the, there was a conflict about whether the state fair was going to be in Hutchinson or whether it would be in Topeka. And, uh, and that fight ensued for a number of years. And get, tell, tell everyone about that. So there basically was two state fairs going on at the same time. Topeka had a state fair and Hutchinson had a state fair, but neither one was the official Kansas state fair. So what basically happened is um, Hutchinson decided they wanted the right to the official Kansas state fair Senator Kerry, Emerson Kerry, you know, was the senator here at the time, and he led the effort. He he got a lot of the rural vote, um, and they passed for Hutchinson to have the Kansas State Fair, and the Topeka Fair lasted for a few more decades after that and then basically fizzled out, but it was still going into the 30s, I know. And, and, and at the time that that was uh, settled, if I remember some of the headlines I've read correctly, uh, Topeka reported that it was stolen. The, the fair was stolen from them by uh, rural lawmakers and Western lawmakers who decided that they, they wanted to have the fair out here instead of all the way that's, to Topeka. That's right, because my understanding is um, this was before redistricting. Is that correct? And interestingly, the Hutch News led an effort, was it in the 60s? In the 60s. Yeah, for uh, to, to redistrict the state fairly. Around one man, one vote. Oh, okay, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. It, so you it, know that part better. The the redistricting or the 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 districts used to be drawn along, if I remember, geography, uh, and and not just around proportional representation of one person per per vote. Some of this history is on a little shape, but I know that uh, Western Kansas used to have a lot more political power than it than it does today, and. Part of that was because of the way we handled drawing the districts before the 1960s when the news won a Pulitzer for that work. So it would be interesting if, uh, you know, if things were different back in 19, 
12 when they were voting on this if uh, if they didn't have that rule, you know, Western Kansas political um, powerhouse that whether, you know, would Hutchinson have the Kansas State Fair? I don't know. So what, what other, there's interesting story around the old mill too. That's right. It is the, well, I, I believe it's the oldest building on the fairgrounds. It was built in 1915. Um, there's only two of them like it. One's in Minnesota State Fair and one's at Kansas State Fair. There was a, a family that um, built it and they still run it. And the same family still runs it in at Minnesota. But um, it's it was once uh, you know built as a tunnel of love and then about, I think, the 50s, maybe a little earlier, it changed to kind of a scary dark ride where you know people jump out and... Um, Today, there's like props that are kind of funny, but, you know, supposed to be scary. And, you know, it's just a whole experience of going through it. And uh, there's noises and it's creepy and it's old. And uh, um, and it feels it, too. Yeah. It feels old and creepy. That's what's great. You know, yeah. run, it, you know it has that water wheel. And uh, uh, that is a tradition that I have to go on every year. Yes. Me, my family as well. We go on that every year. And, you know, talking about traditions, that's a thing. When my daughter was young, we'd take her on it. And it, it's a rite of passage when the kids say, well, that didn't scare me. Yeah. And then that's happened this time around with, with Lila, you know, my granddaughter. Um, she's gone through it and she was very proud when she said, well, that wasn't scary at all. So there's a point on the old mill where every little kid says that wasn't scary to me anymore. So I'm, I'm big now. Which I learned from my daughters, they would shut their eyes. <laughs> when I would take them on there, they shut them and, you know, they'd peek out and be, you know, like, this is really scary, but you know, now they're, uh, Jordy might still shut her eyes. I don't know. We'll have to see. Probably I'm usually so. like, Jordy, open your eyes. There was a time where, you know, it got into a disrepair that, um, they talked about tearing it down, but it's just such a, so many people have a love for it that they fought to keep it in the, the, uh, Hutchinson Correctional Facility worked to restore it and, uh, it's in great shape today. So, but that was a time where, I mean, the community really rallied they around did. that building, right? Because they, you know, there were stories in the Hutch News that, you know, we, we can't afford to keep this up and they were going to tear it down. And um, that's when uh, the warden at the time stepped in. Uh, I think he had a real love of the fair and uh, they led an effort to, to restore it and restore it at a reasonable price. And uh, the tradition con- continues thanks to that effort. Yeah. And usually when you go by that, there's still, there's usually a good line of people trying, looking to get in there. I mean, it's a very, oh, yeah. it's probably the most recognizable building on the fair and probably one of the the most popular. It's fun. Even in the old pictures, you can pick it out because it's kind of that, you know, backwards A, S, you know, from the aerial pictures that you can see. Uh, it's just very distinct. And uh, one of my, you know, one of the, my behind the scenes at the news was I wanted to be a scarer. <laughs> so uh, I talked Charlie Griffin into letting me uh, scare people. It was fun. I got to hold like some kind of noisemaker and scare him at the end of the ride. And, and did you yell at him like, ah, because yeah. they do that a lot, right? When you're coming around a and bend. And jump out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, you know, Kathy and I were, we did it together and she decided she just wanted to take tickets. <laughs> no, no fun but she didn't want to be in the back scaring no, people she didn't want to be in the back that sounds that sounds interesting well what else should people know about the fair especially coming into this year you know we took a we had to miss it last year because of covid uh we're coming back this year what, what else should 
people know going into into this year's fair? I guess just to hit the high points, uh, you know, you can do it affordably. There's days you can go that, um, you know, whether it's Friday morning or Monday or uh, four after four on Thursday, uh, the days you can go that's affordable. You know, you know, on my annual bucket list at the fairs, you know, you have to make a stop at the giant pumpkin you, in the Pride of Kansas building. You have to uh, see what the butter sculpture is. Um, you know, I like the the cookie jar, the governor's cookie jar. I always have to find, see that and see what, you know, what design uh, somebody came up with and who the winning entry is. I, I like to see the, the winning quilt. You know, I'm not a, a quilter, but I, I just think the craft, craftsmanship on that is amazing. Um, I like to walk the carnival just because it's interesting. You know, you see, you see interesting people at the fair. That's one of the things that, uh, you know, people watching is a lot of fun so and it's free and it's free that's right it doesn't cost you anything you can sit on a bench and see who walks by so i mean those are just some things that i enjoy and i i like to go into every building and um you know there's people that have been there for just decades that you know the ginsu knife guy i don't know what fair number this is but it's at least over 30 you know there's under the grandstand there's that uh, Kansas Women's Temperance Union booth with a little um, creepy doll that rings a bell, and uh, they've been at the fair since and 1913. Beer goggles. Beer goggles. Oh yeah, I've they have done beer that. goggles. Yes. Yeah, so you can try to walk a straight line, and it's impossible with their goggles. But um, but they are the oldest vendor at the Kansas State Fair, and I believe Our Lady of Guadalupe Church is the oldest food vendor. Or one of the oldest food vendors. So, I mean, there's just so much to see and do. And I know people that, you know, I would go there every day to cover different things. And I know people that get a season pass and go there every day. So it's just, um, there's not, there's, it's a celebration of all things Kansas. And I really think the focus of the fair in recent years has been to really celebrate that to, you know, kind of like you said, uh, there's parts of every part of the state that come together at the Kansas State Fair. And it's something we should really be proud of. It's the best of Kansas. All in one place. All in one place. And I, if you love Kansas, I mean, why not go? That's right. Well, thanks for coming on today and sharing some of your stories and memories and, and uh, walking in the past a little bit with me from our fun times working together. Hey, I enjoyed it. I will be at the fair on Friday. And the fair is September 10th through the 19th. All right. Thank you guys. Go out and uh, make your own memories with your, with your families at the fair and, uh, and have a lot of fun. Take care. Thanks for listening to that podcast in Hutch. I'd like to thank a few people here at the end of the show. First, I'd like to thank Jenny Burgett for doing the cover art for that guy in Hutch and my son Mitchell Probst for creating and recording some music for me. And also Chris Acker at Salt City Sound for, and I want to thank all of them for their help in making this idea of a local podcast a reality. Uh, this is all made possible through a collaboration between Salt City Sound and the Heartland Arts and Culture Collective. These groups are working to build the resources and infrastructure to support the arts, music, and storytelling in our community. If you're interested in creating your own content or sponsoring local podcasts, contact Salt City Sound. 
And also, none of this would be possible without listeners and supporters. And if you'd like to support this content and, and help us be able to keep this going, consider subscribing to my newsletter, which is thatguyinhutch.substack.com. And we'll put all of this information in the story notes so that you can have it at the ready and you know how to contact us and how to support this, uh, this local effort that we're undertaking. Thanks again for listening. Assault City Sound Production.